just know where you're going uh, because we could not figure that sign out. And sometimes if that's what you're counting on, you might get turned around, uh, especially in an area like that where it's kind of deserty and things might start looking the same. Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know who did the math on those signs because I swear we saw, uh, I swear we saw like 2.5, 2.7, like around that. We can wander our way over because this is wandering ways. What's Bigfoot possibility? Clink. Clink. How are you? Oh, perfect and getting better. How are you, my guy? Oh, you know, just living the, living the outdoor dream, you know, out here in Montana, big sky country. Yeah, I feel that. No, I mean, shoot. Weather's been good here. Tons of stuff to do outside. Tons of things. Um, so getting that vitamin D, that much, much needed vitamin D. You know what's kind of crazy, man? Um, I've been experiencing a lot of heat, right? Like we went to Hawaii, got the 90 degrees and humid, right? We had that pit stop in Phoenix with 117. Then when we got back to Oregon, it was like 112, 115, right? Just kind of hovered in there for a bit. Hot, 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 right? Get back to Montana right after that. It was hundreds in Billings, hundreds in Sealy, and it was just hot, hot, hot. And then today I was driving home and it was starting to rain. It was 70 degrees and raining. And I was like, oh my gosh, the day I prayed for rain, man. Like I didn't realize it would come soon. And I'm like, oh, it just feels nice to be like, comfortable look at you you getting like cold weather i haven't i don't think i've experienced below 95 since being back i believe it and i believe it because today was my first day but look at this dark golden tan that you, your boys got going on here that's yeah, just you got that, that. you got that good that good good <laughs> anyway i got something special i wanted to share um today because we've talked about it oh shoot it's been a while i think i don't know we talked about it in june oh yeah we did uh it's kind pretty of one sure. of those it's kind of one of those reoccurring themes because it's it's one of those topics that's pretty debatable i would say um oh, no we did talk about it in june okay oh, yeah. no no debating that part but you remember <laughs> i'm just saying i'm debating the fact that you know, we talk about this subject quite a bit because it is kind of controversial. And what's really interesting about me is the parties involved, you know, the two, you know, why, why, who's for it and why, who's not for it. Uh, and the reasons, you know, and the reasons kind of being crazy. Um, but go ahead. I'll let you get into it first. I'll let you go ahead and cap it off. I was, mine has no, mine's just kind of more about the numbers anyway. But we, we talked about wolves and how Idaho had a law where they were just basically, in my personal opinion, that they were going to just start murdering wolves. Um, interesting enough, Wisconsin has had legal wolf killings the last, at least the last year. And they did a number on the number of wolves, or they did a study on the number of wolves they lost. And they've lost last year, April 2020 to April 2021, roughly 313 wolves to 323 or 
27 to 33% of the population of wolves in the state of Wisconsin. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and the thing, the reason why I got brought up is because they think they hunted about 220 of them, and then they estimate another like 100 died because of winter. Oh. Um, you know, and then they're also in the article they're saying they're also being kind of favorable on it uh, because they realize that there's a lot of poaching with uh wolves. oh yeah so, there it, there really is there was there's always been that like shoot shovel shut up kind of mentality when it when it comes to the wolves yeah um which is kind of an ignorant mindset if you think about it just because guys you got to be a little smart about this like when you have the apex predator the american gray wolf you know the north american gray wolf that ranges from alaska to mexico you know these animals right people are like oh when you introduce them in montana you introduce the alaskan wolves okay yeah but they introduce small ones they introduce ones that are going to adapt to the temperatures they're used to to the environment they're going to be in and, you know, when the wolf population moves south, they're going to start, their fur's not going to be as thick because the weather's a little bit warmer. It does adapt, and it's over these few generations that we see it. We really have seen the Yellowstone wolf packs be at this, like, healthy population size where the wolves are doing their job in Yellowstone, right? So if they're doing their job in Yellowstone, that means they need to do their job in the surrounding areas, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. They're not doing that in certain areas because certain industries in those areas want to thrive, farming and hunting. And with hunting, you can bring a lot of money in if some New Yorker or some Californian wants to come to the state and hunt a wolf, right? Or if um, a farmer's like, fuck this, these wolves keep getting in, they get my chickens, they get my cows, you know, you know, I can take one or two cows dying off in the winter, but if you know six seven of them go because of a wolf you know my ten thousand herd that's money out of my pocket and that's money i'm counting on because of you know how these farmers and ranchers work out here and i i understand that and i understand that in wisconsin because there's more people there so you're not going to want a bigger as big of a wolf population well what i want to what i found <laughs> interesting about the numbers when it comes to wisconsin um I think it's important to note, and even says it in the article that I have up, um, that this decline happened even though there was a hunting quota of 119 wolves. And then they also said that the, and I'm going to butcher this uh, name, and I apologize now, the Ojibwe tribes. Oh, Ojibwa. Ojibwa tribes. Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Ojibwa. That's yeah, yeah like little something stuff. like that. They were granted a quota of 81 wolves, making it roughly 200 wolves total. But the tribe did not do a single hunt. No, because they see the wolves as spiritual over there. Um, and I could and I see. I thought too that was interesting that there's almost. Shoot, I think oh, almost 100, 100 wolves unaccounted for hunting-wise. Uh-huh. Which is 
it's honestly what it is is it's just poor management oh and that's and that's what you're going to get with something like this because it's so controversial on both sides that both sides aren't going to you know they're not going to give you the exact numbers they want to give you um and it's kind of scary because i've seen it in my lifetime where a place gets overhunted deer with deer right gets overhunted it's not good for a few years you know people stop showing up you know because you start seeing more and more and it just gets it gets worse and you know well, if you're killing, say, a hundred deer out of this area, hundred wolves out of a certain area, right? They're not going to come back in population as fast, right? In that first year. And then you're going to go out again and that same number, if not more hunters, because every year we see hunting numbers go up, right? Are taking more animals. So the animal populations aren't growing back as fast enough to where we can, you know, where they, they repopulate to where you can take the same amount every year. So things are changing and regulations are changing. That's why you see in certain states where like in Montana, for example, our deer tags, I can get a deer tag and use it anywhere in the state of Montana, right? And that's fine. In like a state of Oregon, you have to put that deer tag in for a certain district because that's a small area. Well, as Montana becomes more and more hunted, more and more populous, we're going to start going to a district system. And what that means is now you can only take so many out of an area because you, you know, the numbers are, are not what they used to be or the area can't support those numbers as they used to be. Cause that's the other side of it is as we develop places and do things to certain places, it, it controls the wildlife and we got to keep them smaller. That's why in Wisconsin, you're going to have less wolves uh, than you are in like a Montana, Idaho, whatnot. That's why the, the numbers you really have to watch, but it, 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 it's a it's a twofer right because we need food to survive you know with some of our wheat and farms and big ranches out here in montana so the ranchers were like hey you know if they're destroying our fields we can't be having that you know you 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 want your mcdonald's hamburger you know i can't be having them take my cows every night um so there is that too you know so you do have to manage these things but what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate and going back to our last debate, I look at like, you know, wolves used to be out on the plains. So I think it's appropriate that they should be out on these great plains out here in Montana. So as long as the mountain populations are thriving, your mountains are going to be healthy. And I think that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, anytime you can have a go away from the mono culture of something it's going to be better in the long, long run. I mean, you can see it kind of across uh, the board in many things. So it would make sense. You want to keep it. And I get the argument, you know, the hunters and the farmers and all that. I, I get their arm argument. I think they're valid. Um, but I think the thought process there is more narrow, narrowly thought in their terms. You know, they're not thinking that long-term goal. They're thinking like, it got my sheep today type deal. There's pros and cons to thinking about that full on. I don't want to doubt that because for some people losing a sheep that day does mean death long-term. I don't think that's necessarily the case for a lot of these farmers or even hunters, but that does happen. Um, time to time 
but monoculture is not a good thing. Um, so having having that food chain system, having top predators, you know, yes, it needs. <laughs> and I get it. If they get crazy numbers, if like for some reason, like we're just getting overthrown by wolves, let's talk about managing it. Oh, and and to look at the coyote populations. The coyote populations are at, you know, a healthy amount. So let the wolves get to that healthy, sustainable amount. Um, and then treat them as such. You know, let them get there. I don't think they're there. And I think the problem is, is you look at states like Montana and Idaho who are going with huge numbers of wolves. You know, the state of Montana has SB 134, you know, in the, in the Montana state uh, to pass a bill. And it's saying they want to keep 15 breeding populations, breeding pairs in the state. So that's 30 wolves at, at least minimum that are breeding. Uh, you know, when, when a wolf has puppies, they have nine sometimes, you know, because it's a, it's a dog. Dogs have a healthy litter. But that's because they're expected to lose a few young. Um, and as they get older, you know, that's just how it works. And they do, they do, if they're thriving in an area such as Yellowstone and the Montana mountains, and when the elk populations are overly as big as they have been, um, you know, that, yeah, they're going to thrive in those first few years. But as we've seen Yellowstone and the success, the numbers are starting to get balanced. You know, the, the change is starting just to be, you know, nice and level, nice and easy, um, the way it's supposed to be. And I look at that and I'm like, well, let's get our national forests to that level. Let's get our state lands to that level. Let's get them at that, at least par. Let's, let's stay par, you know, let's not go below it. You know, we'll try and get above it. We'll try and be better than it, but let's just get to par first. Cause we're, we, we haven't been there for years. And it, I think if we can at least achieve that balance, things, things get better ecosystems get better our weather gets better yeah yeah i you know the one question i would have to play kind of a devil's i don't know devil's advocate it's the correct term but i don't know it might be a little too harsh in this sense <laughs> is like what is that number though right what if it is 15 breeding pairs I think that's too small because, like I said, I think... But that's what I mean, Mike, right? What is the number? I think you have to take a look at where these breeding pairs are in the state. Maybe they have. You know, I don't know how they got their number. I just think when you look at states like Idaho and Montana and you're killing 90% essentially of these wolves off, you know, if, if I'm taking 15 breeding pairs, right? That's at least 30 wolves. How many wolves are in an average pack? You look at the Yellowstone packs, we'll say 10. You know, so we'll say 150 wolves minimum. Minimum 150 wolves is what the state's saying is good. I think your population should be in the thousands, two thousands in this state. But why? Uh, what if that's too many? What are your what are your reasons for it being too many? Well, if there's too many, then all of a sudden the same issues you were seeing where the elk were over thriving and then, you know, it had the damage on the prairies, the bees and all that. And all of a sudden you've tipped the scale the other way. 
you know, just because you have an overabundance of a predator, that then means that you're not anymore going to get the antelope, the elk that are going to be trimming up these. And you're I mean, a whole nother issue. We haven't even reached that yet. I, I get that. I get that. So but let's not worry about why not is worry. The thousands. The thousands may not be the number. That may be too many. I don't think so. Why I, don't you think so? I mean, where are your, like, have you gone out and done the study on it? There's at least 15 breeding pairs in Yellowstone Park in those mountains, in those hills, in those areas, right? You have the, at least. You got and, some anecdotal stuff, but you don't have like the concrete stuff, which is typically what's used in making these decisions. I'm, I, I don't need the concrete stuff because the anecdotal stuff is enough. You know, when you look that's, at that's not, that's not that's not true at all. Come at me with some the same anecdotal the same anecdotal argument is what the farmers do. Well, if you're killing my livestock, you don't get food. We lose food. And you're not wrong there. And I, I see that, but you you can see that we're producing enough food with the current numbers of wolves of where we're at. To where there's no, there's no real shortage are there? That, are, that is causing severe problems. I think we can reach that point. I think if you don't manage things properly, um, you can reach those points in both extremes. But I think the management right now is is very improper. And I it's, agree with that that standpoint. The management is improper. But the question is, what is like the number? Because you don't want to tip it too far. Because by the time you realize you have too high of a number, it could be too late. I think the problem with that too is, you historically, you look at the historical numbers. And since the time of man, they've just gone down, right? Just straight down. And we've tried to build, build them back up and you, you can see that you can see the successes of some um, and what some experts may say is a good amount, a healthy amount and what others may not, you know, but I think when you get down to the gist of it, it's really hard to find that. And there is a fine line uh, when it comes down to it is because our population has grown so significantly in this, in this time, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, you know, we've put two more billion people on this planet. We've, uh, you know, that's a third, essentially, you know, we're, we're at 7 billion people. We essentially put a third of the people living on this planet in, in this, you know, such a small amount of time where those numbers of certain animals were, you know, really high or low when, when there was less people. So the, effect that we as society have on it too plays plays a role and we argue that the number of humans on this planet is too high and that it is a great (laughs) example of what could happen if we have too many wolves i don't i don't think with the amount of humans we'd, we'd we'd ever have that issue with wolves i'm not saying you're gonna have three billion wolves but i think you know, you can make it so it it's similar to where there's too many 
And then what you're but having, where you're having, what impact does to populations? Now you're having wolf impact to populations. I mean, and but it's very rarely that these apex predators, unless they are in a unnatural habitat, like you know the the hippos down in Colombia. Uh, and how they've just like you have too many wolves all of a sudden it's harder for them to find food and all of a sudden they're going to look in places they didn't do before which is unnatural and then we start having problems i mean yeah and if we get to that problem i don't think we'll get to that problem you're you're not not, i'm not not, arguing that point you're not giving me a realistic explanation of getting to that problem i'm asking what the number is you're saying thousands not hundreds. Yeah, but what is the number? What if 15 is the number? I don't think that's a healthy number. But why don't you? You know, where's your evidence? It's not. It's not a healthy number. I my I don't need I don't need evidence right now with you. Um you always need evidence. Yeah. Pigs can fly. But you just spring a wolf debate on me. You spring a wolf debate on me and not give me time to amply prepare. And then you come at me with these these ridiculous questions. It's because you're not giving, like, if you are passionate about a topic, (laughs) you should have something to back up. I literally just popped this article today. I read it right before we got on. So I know as much as you, if not less. I didn't recite a bill in the, like, Montana state government. And I did. So you should be more prepared than me. And I have been. You're coming out. But you have no evidence. You're out here in ridiculous land. You have no evidence is all I'm saying. I have you a whole episode the number, of evidence. You said no. I said why. You said you have nothing. Because I'm not going to give you false evidence on a show like this in front of guests where you're trying to get me to, you know, mess up. I'm not trying to get you messed up. If you don't have evidence, if you don't have it, the correct answer is more like could be, but I don't have anything to prove it. Personally, I don't think it is. And did I not do that earlier? You said, I don't think it is. And you said, we need over a thousand. Based on not, based on me not having evidence, those are my, that was my answer to you. As I stated it, you're just walking in circles. No, no forget this we got more important things to talk about today (laughs) than getting into this silliness right now um you know what that means time for another commercial break where we get to tell you to like subscribe and review our podcast whether you're getting that podcast on spotify itunes youtube whatsapp Whatever podcast app you use, you can make it happen. And don't forget, this is also the time to let uh, let you guys know that you can pick up that Wandering Ways swag at the Teespring. Make sure to check it out. The link is in the bio down below or in the episode description. It's even in the show description, too, if you can't find it in the episode. But you can go on there. You can get your sweatshirts. You can get your uh, shirts. You can get long sleeves, short sleeves. You can even get some socks. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, highly recommend. You will be impressing everybody at your next bonfire with some wandering ways swag 
You know, and if that's not enough, we're going to tell you to follow us individually on our social medias. You could check me out at the Ruguru or Zach of Wandering Ways. You know, check out the adventure firsthand where there might not be any ads. Exactly. And who doesn't like some good free pub? I need the followers to go up. So I'm going to throw out Reverend Marcus. Check me out on the Twitter, on the Instagram. Um, I do some cool stuff. So please give me the follow. All right. We also do not cool stuff. Yeah, but anyways, uh, let's keep wandering on. And the more important thing is, you probably all know, you probably all see, it's something, mix things up, because it will help flow into this episode a little bit more, but we're going to do cool shit in nature right now, so there's not a weird pause later. And I promise it will make it flow good for this uh, episode because it's something I wish we could have seen while we were in Hawaii. Oh, fuck but you. Missed it by about a month. <laughs> so, why are you going to do this to me? And this was actually in the park, the Hawaii Volcano Park. And that what we got going is like the lava lake, the lava flowing in the lava lake. It's just a time lapse, so it's really pretty and quick. I'm curious how slow that is in real life. Like the the time lapse is moving kind of quick. It's your classic, just kind of the like square tiley looking lava on the ground, the lava lake. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to see. Like, is it moving? Like, is this moving? How fast? I mean, it looks like. I mean, the steam's moving kind of quick. So I would say this is the. Oh, over the matter of at least a couple minutes, but. Oh, I think it's more than a couple minutes. You think it's a couple hours? No, no. It might be an hour. So it's moving real slow then, you think? Yeah, I guess that's why you only really see time lapses of lava moving like this. Yeah. I'm trying to guess based off the steam and the clouds in it. I mean, based on going to Hawaii, I do think that the lava rock just by looking down at it when you when you're there when you're at the national park and you're looking down at the rock you see the like it almost does look like it moved slow like when you when like you squeeze glue or something out of a glue tube that's kind of like how the rock like hardens you know like when you see the super glue glue like dry real fast that's what i guess i think lava rock might be and if it's moving that fast yeah if you get what I'm saying. No, I, I do get what you're saying. And I think, I think, it, yeah. Or maybe hot glue would be better than super glue. Like I the mean, way it like drips out of the thing and then like creates those like sludge balls. Like that's kind of that look sometimes. But then there's different types of lava. Like we saw the different rocks. So I wonder if like it moves quicker when it's this hot or I don't know. I wish we would have learned more about lava. The visitor center was closed. Yeah. No, that, uh, oh yeah, it was. That was uh, all but, you know, back when we still had COVID rules. <laughs> I guess. Um, the day. Yeah. But if you couldn't guess it, we're going to go back and talk about our time in Hawaii. But we're doing it differently today as we are doing one of our famous Wandering Ways breakdowns. We are going to break down the Hawaii's Volcano National Park. I'm excited. I am too. It's the park we stayed in. We spent time there. 
um, hopefully try and break it down. So that way, if you personally want to go out and go to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, use some of the tips and tricks and things that you hear here to make your trip because uh, I think it's worth worth going. It is hard, which brings up the first thing you can really, we can knock off this breakdown. You have to get to the big island of Hawaii to get there first, which that there can only really uh, fly. Yeah. To, uh, can't, if you're in uh, Nebraska, I don't think you're going to get your car there. No. Well, unless you're, I like, got some of those military guys that sometimes ship their cars down there, but that means you're staying quite a while and you're probably going from island to island. <laughs> but you can do that uh, if you're that crazy and ridiculous. But most, the average goer is probably flying. And what we found out is you're most likely probably going to fly through Honolulu at some point. Or if you get direct, that's nice. There was some direct flights. Yeah, I think they have into Kona. There's direct. And Hilo, too, I think I saw had a few like Southwest flights that might have flown. But for the most part, I think you're island hopping a little bit, too, if you want to save money like us. I know like with the islands near the big island, because there's those two, I think Maui's one of them. Um, you can yeah, do like Maui and Kauai, I think, right? You can do a ferry between. Because oh. um, I looked into what it would be. Could you do it from Oahu when we were planning the trip? Um, you can't get a ferry from Oahu. You can yeah. do the ferry from the other two islands, which I guess is another way to get there. Um, but it is kind of a challenge to get to the big island itself. Yeah, me, oh, and it's worth it. It was fun. And I mean, we, we figured it out. It was real easy. Just get in the airport, get on a little island, skip, hop, flip, fly right over. Beautiful. Yes. But then you have to drive, even both ways. If you're flying into Hilo, you're flying into Kona. Kona, it's like a 100 miles. It's kind of a long drive. Kona is a trek. It's, it's I think it was, what, like two, two and a half hour drive? Both ways, essentially, to get there, I feel like. If you're going to go... Hilo, Hilo's like 40 minutes. Which wasn't bad. If you're flying into Hilo or using Hilo as a base, uh, it's nice. The whole island really is. Um, we didn't really get to check out the, the top side, but... Yeah, we kind of just did half. But, um, but yeah, if you go Hilo, it's a little bit closer. Um, Kona's a longer one. Kona is a much longer one. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty drive um, going down. You can, there's stops along the way. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of for how to get there. Now, when you are there, um, you're probably there for two reasons. One, because you heard heard it here on the podcast wandering ways and you're like i want to go but the other reason probably the more important reason why you went or wanting to go is it's right in the name it's got volcanoes they're kind of cool not gonna lie um suck that we didn't get to see the lava but sometimes the lava is flowing and it it's been you know since the creation of the park since you know thousands of years ago they can really tell you when this lava was flowing how long it was flowing for most likely, you know, when it kind of all dried up, um, all the different beds, you know, you're like 1973, 1980, this 2018, you know, so all the way up till, you know, just a month ago, they just said the lava was dried up, but you know, one of these days it'll probably open back up again, or if not, that sucks, but, uh, yeah. 
and you can see stuff like what you saw if you're watching in the cool shit in nature segment <laughs> yeah exactly uh or just google iceland volcano and you probably see some uh that right now moving live yeah <laughs> yeah iceland's got the one that's popping right now um but yeah there's a ton of craters lava fields um you know it's if you're geothermal centric this is kind of the place for you they got yeah. vents heating like the steam vents which are cool um i didn't like though that people were throwing money in some yeah that was a huge bummer that got me going because it's like it don't do that that just makes the park that's litter essentially at that point put the money towards the park or towards a good cause don't throw it in the thing yeah and i don't know why they people were throwing like dollar bills in there i'm surprised there wasn't signs i was too now that I, well maybe there's someone uh comes into the park and picks it up and that's like his tip or something i don't know unless it i I mean i don't see it being ceremonial in a way because i understand i do understand sometimes like people you'll sometimes see like cigarettes left as like a tobacco offering in native culture but i don't think like money or wealth you know like silver and gold essentially by giving money like that if that was like a hawaiian thing but they didn't really have silver and gold over there so i don't like i don't see that because yeah, I, I didn't see the signs that and maybe they just didn't have them up or they need to put some up but yeah, i was not a fan of seeing like people can be better like especially in yellowstone you see people throw money into the hot pots at yellowstone it's like yeah. that's just litter and it destroys the bacteria <laughs> yeah yeah it was it's kind of a bummer but the vents are still cool you see the steam come up um Oh, yeah. There's a few craters that you can go. Um, some of them you can go into. Uh, we went into one. We went into the main one, um, the main crater there, the same one that you can uh, drive around to. It's called the Crater Rim Drive. It's a short drive, um, but it takes you to the other side of, like, I think it was the first crater um, of the... And and I think it's the same one in 2018 that fell some more. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's right there. You can see it right from the visitor center. Or n- not the visitor center, but the hotel, actually. Overlooks yeah, the Volcano it. House. Um, which we'll get into in a second. But Okay. Uh, the Crater Rim Drive. Yeah, it's a short one um, to this other visitor. I think it's another visitor center over there it was closed so we didn't even really bother to go and look um but it takes it it, i mean it's gorgeous more views of the crater you know um yeah walking down in it wasn't bad i mean you just kind of walk down the ledges to get down into it once you're down on it you know you feel like you're in a desert which is kind of cool because like being in hawaii you think tropical you think jungle you think rainforest but no here it's like desert out there and the cool little trees grow up in the cracks and yeah. uh, you're literally walking on volcano rock, you know, so it's, it's rocky. Yeah. It, it, it's cool being down in the crater. Um, it would be something I would recommend anybody to do. Um, I think it's mostly accessible for anyone. Um, there's a lot of shorter hikes into it. There's a lot of hike hiking kind of trails that you can kind of do a whole bunch 
um, of different things all in one area. So I you think, can turn what is like a, only a mile hike into eight miles if you want of these intricate trails they have going around. It goes into craters, out of craters, in the forest there. Um, I think a good way of putting it too is it kind of reminded me of Badlands National Park where like Badlands is like open range for walking. This one wasn't necessarily open range, but there were so many trails to do that they were interconnected like that, that I was going to say, you also need to make sure you kind of know what you're doing. Because I swear to God, we saw a sign that said 0.5 miles for the oh, same yeah. destination on like three different signs. So just know where you're going uh, because we could not figure that sign out. And sometimes if that's what you're counting on, you might get turned around, uh, and especially in an area like that where it's kind of deserty and things might start looking the same. Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know who did the math on those signs because I swear we saw, uh, I swear we saw like 2.5, 2.7, like around that every time we hit a sign. Right? They were like the same number for the same hike. Yeah, which was kind of <laughs> funny um, to experience. But yeah, there's a lot, and this this area is kind of closer to the um, visitor center in general. Uh, it's very, very populated. You know, it's kind of the main spot. I think everyone goes, because there are a lot of trails to hike. And also there's the lava tube, which is super cool in that area. Yeah, and honestly, we did it right, I think. Um, and by kind of by chance and luck, because we're like, let's get up early. We hit the park early. Um, the visitor center was closed. There was nobody in that parking lot. When we hit the lava tube. We we're the only people at the lava tube when we went yeah. through. Oh, no, there was um, that gal ran it, ran through it. But we had we had enough of our own time there. Like yes. In reality, we didn't really share it with anybody. That's um, very true. Because we got there early. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, no, I mean, shoot. <laughs> We've probably heard it on here um, at least at least um, thirteen times. Um, go early, go early into these parks. Um, you're gonna beat the crowds. And Hawaii Volcano National Park was no exception. You know, when we got out in the park, which was early, um, we went. We did the crater rim drive. We saw like one group. Uh, we went down and. Uh, we went to the lava tube, again, one, maybe two groups the whole time. Uh, we then did the, I think it's the chain of craters drive, which takes you all the way to the coast. Very minimal people. We got back up to the visitor center after doing that, and everybody was out and about. It was a drastic change. I mean, it really was crazy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you're waiting in lines for everything. Parking, uh, harder to find um, at the visitor center, uh, near the lava tube hike, near some of the trailheads to get down in. You know, parking, what wasn't an issue became an issue in the popular areas. Yeah. Like and in we the had afternoon. And we had to kind of audible uh, later in that afternoon. But, like, I mean, early that morning, we were able to do the petroglyph hike yep. kind of by ourselves. Uh, there was another family on a hike there. Um, 
we walk down to the coast. We're kind of there by ourselves as well uh, when you do get out on that Crater's Drive. So that was good. I mean, beautiful areas, beautiful views, just spectacular. The I think if you haven't been to the Big Island and you you start going there and you're, you think of Hawaii, you think of the tall mountains like from Oahu or Maui, um, the kind of the tropicalness that this one doesn't have, it, you also get the size of this island. It's kind of a big big highland for being out in the middle of the ocean yeah um yeah it was crazy as we were driving to the coastline there like how high up we were and then how we dropped basically to i don't know, like 100 feet because however tall the cliff was well and what's crazy is we stayed at the cabins there uh at, at the volcano house and we're sitting about 4,000 feet above sea level right there. Yeah. And we, we essentially, that's where Billings, Mon Billings Montana sits at 3,000 feet above sea level, right? That's crazy. That's high up. That's high desert, right? We're sitting at Volcano House uh, cabins at 4,000 feet sleeping, right? And, and the, you're really not that far from the ocean, which is kind of crazy how like, and, but also how gradual these hills are they're kind of grat like they're just like the same grade i don't know what it is it's just well i was, it was thrown off same grade and then it was very very steep because there was that section where it's just really steep but it's not a very long section but that's what throws it throws you off i think is like it is very steep but it's like not that bad or does no, it, it it's bad? short it's short which is what's weird because when you're up at four thousand feet you know, you can see the ocean and you're so high above the ocean. It's such a, that it's a cool kind of look. It's uh, weird. It, it is, it is weird. It's, um, it's worth it. <laughs> you know, totally. I mean, as you do the drive down to the coast, there's a ton of pull-offs for the scenic views. And <clears throat> I recommend stopping at least one because it's just lava rock. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's, then it's ocean, which is nuts. Yeah, we saw some cool stuff. We did hit a few of those, which I liked. Yeah, and I would recommend the um, the petroglyph hike. Um, you don't necessarily have to be into like petroglyphs for me to rec recommend it to you, because it's one of the few, I think, shorter hikes that you can do easy, where you're just out on the lava fields. Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's like hiking in the desert but it's all rock and you're less than a mile from the ocean so which that in itself is cool and then the petroglyphs are are equally as cool but i think just for the hike itself is kind of worth doing it yeah it is one of it's a little bit easier of a hike which is mm -hmm. i think why it's a good recommendation to do um the petroglyphs which i think should be called pictographs because of the style of how they're done versus petroglyphs being more paint um these are rock carvings kind of in the rock and the hawaiians did it and it's kind of the story of birth uh you make your your sign there in the lava rock and uh it was kind of cool to see that and see some of the art you know that's probably been there for thousands of years and I just imagine, you know, when I worked at Pompey's Pillar, the you, the sandstone stuff that the average everyday guest doesn't get to see because it's like if we showed it to everyone, it would get destroyed, it would get ruined, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as sacred as what it is, all that 
right? I, I'm just curious, where's that at in Volcanoes National Park? Because right. I know there's probably some cool carvings that oh, they're like, 100%. people would ruin these. Like, we got to just leave them here. 100%. I think it's also, it's hilarious when you do the hike because you're just walking on rock, walking on rock, walking on rock. And then all of a sudden you see off, you see just this random boardwalk you know right <laughs> and it's it's just some stairs and boom it's, it just looks like so random that's kind of that's kind of how medicine wheel is in the bighorns you're on this like like mountain path that turns into kind of like a road that once you get then it like turns into like a dirt parking lot and like boardwalk around the medicine wheel and you're like oh, okay yeah just built it for like the areas <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a cool little thing. Um, I re highly recommend the hike just so you can experience walking on the lava rock fields like that, um, and then go to the coast, obviously, because cliffs. It's pretty cool to be at um, the ocean right there. Um, the other thing most people are probably wondering is staying there. Now, staying either there or nearby, we told you we stayed at cabins um, that they had there, the park, Volcano House. Um, you can rent cabins. There's a good amount of them. Uh, highly recommend if you're looking for a home base. You know, it's camping, but with the cabin. So if you are traveling to the island and don't want to take your camping gear, um, it's a good alternative to still get camp and feel without having to carry all your stuff to the big island from uh, the lower 48. Or if you are some of our Hawaii listeners and you're just looking to take your camping gear for a weekend, uh, you probably already knew about the park anyway, but they have regular campsites too. Um, so you can do the whole tent. Um, the tree situation, I didn't see over there too much, so I don't know how well hammocks will work. Um, but you know it's it's a good little camp campground that they have um and they got some backcountry too which we found out about uh there was a guy i ended up actually talking to at the campsite that told us about them camping in the backcountry and it being a lot of fun um which if you're in the backcountry there's some of that there uh, you can get out to the, some cool spots along the coast um as well as there's a lot of Airbnbs and uh, bed and breakfasts we saw. A lot of those by the park, yep. especially in, in Volcano. Yep. And then there is a hotel in the park. Um, it overlooks one of the lava craters there. So it's super cool. And in Hilo and in Kona, if you're staying at the resorts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tons of hotels and resorts for that. But, um, yeah, the backcountry was something we didn't really look into a whole lot, um, partially because we weren't taking all of our backcountry gear. Um, and other part, you know, you hear Hawaii volcanoes, um, you don't necessarily think backcountry. Um, but listening to that story, it sounds like backcountry could be really cool. And I, and I think in any of the parks, it really is, because when we really look at who explores the parks... Uh, in the way that we do, you see that there's just a lot more people going to the visitor centers, going to the old faithfuls, the main attractions, the delicate arches, you know, the viewpoints or the lookouts, just because of ability to get to some of those places. Um, so 
I think when it comes to backcountry, if you're into that, any park, it's really worth it. Um, and, and do it. It's a must do. If you're into that, um, that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to have the experience you want to have. And that goes down with anything in any of the parks. You can, you're the one who sets up the experience you want to have. Do you want to stay at the hotel or do you want to camp? Do you want to spend two nights there or three nights, you know, and these are things, uh, you know, you just have to think about like, what do we like to do? What kind of memories do we want to create? What kind of fun do we want to have? And on our trip, we said, Hey, we're doing two islands. We can't do backcountry. That's, that's a whole different type of fun. That's a whole different type of preparedness um, for, for next time, for next time, guys. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. You know, a lot of it, a lot of these, it comes down to what you want to do um, in this part allows you at any level of things you want to do from if you just want to go for the day and do a hike totally can if you want to stay camp totally can if you want to see the visitor center do all that kind of deal totally can want to go backcountry totally can so you know that's beautiful part about most of these parks and hawaii volcanoes doesn't go away from that um that same pattern so you know when it comes down to it I think Hawaii Volcano is super dope. Um, I would like to go back. Uh, you know, I want to go a lot of other places. So I don't know how high on the list of places I want to go right now it is, but I do want to go back. I feel that. Um, I agree. I, I, I do too. Uh, I would preferably probably be like, yeah, maybe backcountry the next time. Um, and maybe I would maybe want to plan it when the lava is flowing. Um, just because I've been there, there's a lot of other cool places like Iceland and Costa Rica and Panama and all these cool places I'd want to go and check out first before I prioritize coming back. You know, if there's lava that might help entice me, you know, for all that, it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of places I want to go. Um, there, he, even here in the United States, there's a lot of parks I want to go to. Um, I was just, just looking at them today. There's a lot of stuff kind of east of the Rockies I haven't been to. I've done pretty, almost all of them here west of the Rockies. Um, the east haven't spent a whole lot of time. I need to get out there. Um, do some more breakdowns. Cool stuff. Huh? And do some more breakdowns. Well, that's why we do it. No, <laughs> we do it because I like to get out and do that kind of thing. Um, I'm itching to get out um, right now because, uh, you know, I'm probably stupid busy and probably can't get outside and do cool adventures for a little bit. So <laughs> I'm doing that for you. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to. Someone's got to to keep me sane. <laughs> there you go. Um. But yeah, this is kind of a good point to start um, wrapping it up because I am that guy. Um, we're going to get into our final words. Um, final words, my guy. Um, final words. You know, I just looked up, just so you know, I looked up uh, about the wolves real quick on the, on the back burner here. And I saw uh, there's actually no number to decide you can't you, you right here is quoted you can't just count the number of wolves over a particular area and decide whether it's a healthy population 
That's because the functional unit of wolves is the family. A wolf is only a wolf when it's part of an intact, unexploited family group capable of astonishingly beautiful and complex cooperative behaviors and unique traditions. So that's why I go back to it too. I, that, and that's probably why they say breeding pairs, right? Because that's the, that's the family structure. That's the one living in that den or in that area on that mountain. Um, that's why when I say 15 is not too many, man, there should be at least one on every mountain. And there's more than 15 mountains in this state. <laughs> yeah. For it to be healthy. I understand that we have things and stuff on those mountains. So not all the mountains will have them, but to reach that healthy number, I think at least every mountain should have one pack. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily disagree with it. You know, I'm not saying 15 is the right number. I just don't know. It, it, there has to be a number. I, and I think there's always a number. Now, is the number findable? That's up for debate as well, but there is always a number. And and I guess where I come with my 1,000, 2,000, that's kind of where the populations have been at the last, you know, five years. And I think that's a good population where you can have a small hunting regulation, which is going on, where they're taking a small amount. Yeah, there's the, you know, shoot, shovel, and shut up guys still doing their thing, which is fine. It's going to happen regardless of the situation. Um, but I think that the numbers are at that controlled rate that, yeah, you're starting to see them out on the plains, which is good. That means it's healthy. It's reaching that the places that it should be. But those are also the guys who are, you know, they're the ones at most risk, your farmers and ranchers of the wolves. Um, and that's where you're seeing more of that shoot, shuttle, shut up. You're seeing a lot more of the exploited hunting. So I don't know. I just want to tell everyone with my final words, you know, Think about it. Think about what side of this debate you want to be on. I understand both sides clearly. I personally don't think I would ever hunt a wolf or shoot a wolf unless, you know, unless the wolf's going to try and kill me. Yeah, I'll probably shoot it because it's just what I would do. It'd be my instinct to do that. Be my best interests, I feel like, in that moment. A bear, different scenario. Not carrying a gun when I have a bear. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, It just all depends on the situation, the safety, who you're with, who, you know, the whole situation. Um, but be smart, figure out what side of this you want to be on because it's important. This is an apex predator. It's like the sharks and the dolphins in the ocean. They're apex predators. We have to watch their numbers to help control the other numbers. Um, and we got to decide where we want to be at that. I understand you have to hunt some, you have to kill some off. The bison are overpopulated in Yellowstone. We already do that. We already kill 2000 of them off a year because of the overpopulation, right? So what are we doing with the wolves you know we got to find that number i think 90 percent is too much i think 15 packs is too little um i think we need to figure out better numbers more educated numbers more solid numbers that that, you know that help everybody you know our ecosystem relies on other ecosystems so think think all right my guy it's all you yeah 100 percent there um Reverend's final words of wisdom. Stay beautiful, everybody. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of you for listening um, each and every week. Hopefully you are. If you haven't, go back, check it out. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, If you want to hear about our trip to Hawaii um, that we're talking about today, go back, listen to those. There's two parts. There's 
Uh, first part's Oahu, second part's the Big Island. Both are amazing and a lot of fun. Um, you know, as for anything, you know, just try and be the best you that you can be. Um, treat everyone with love because that's really the only way you should be treating. It's nice to be nice, um, you know, so go out there, do something nice because that's nice. Uh, that being said, though, peace out, everybody. Bye.